Well, we're going to talk about strength a little bit this morning. I don't know what you think about when you think of strength. I thought of a few things. I think about guys like this. This guy, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name because I'd probably miss that. Ooh, Osua. He was at the NFL Combine. They do this, uh, it's kind of like a big track and field meet for pro athletes, like when you were in grade school. But they, they compare how many times you can lift 225 pounds in quick succession. This guy did the most this year and hit it 39 times in a row. That's a lot. I think I'd be lucky just to get it up, but that's good. Maybe you think of something like this. Eddie Hall, he holds the record for the deadlift. Now... He lifted up 1,100 pounds. Some interesting things to note is that the bar is actually bending. <laughs> it's usually not a good sign. <laughs> if the bar is bending, you think he can lift it. So he got it up. For the deadlift, you just hold it about here. Uh, I don't remember the exact requirement. You've got to hold it a few seconds, and then you can drop it. But after the weight went down, he wasn't in great shape either. <laughs> I don't know if he could resist it much better than the bar, but that's pretty impressive if you think of a, a strong guy like that. Maybe we think of a precious metal. Think about titanium and what it takes to cut through it. You can watch videos of trying to shoot through titanium. You can shoot bullets at it, and if you've got a plate, it'll just bounce off of it unless you get, like, something that's a stronger metal on the tip of it and a pretty high-grade bullet. It's what they'll make armor out of because we can't even shoot through it. Maybe we think of withstanding heat. I didn't have a picture of it, but uh, tantalum carbide is an element they're looking at that can withstand great heat. It takes like 7,000 degrees of heat to start melting it. And so they're looking at ways to put it in spacecrafts because it can do re-entry and not uh, break under the heat, such unimaginable heat. Maybe you think of strength and the potency of something, like a whiskey, like this one being stronger than beer or stronger than something else because it's really strong in the middle of it. Or maybe we think of the army and think of just the sheer number of soldiers and the, the strength that comes through them advancing. I don't know what you think about, but as we think about strength and how it relates to our life, I do know when it hits my own life, I hit the end of my strength. I hit where I'm just trying to march on, and it's not enough. And I know I need more strength. We know we need the strength of God. We know we see something else in Him. And there's really just two aspects of that we're going to cover today. The scripture talks about more things, but I thought there was two really good pictures of God's strength that we'll talk about today. And one of them is this idea that God is a strong tower. To me, this is like the quintessential verse that comes into my head. It says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man, or the righteous runs into it and is safe, in Proverbs 18.10. So it refers to God as a strong tower. And we likely don't connect with that reference of a strong tower anymore in our culture. But if you have an army like that one we saw in the picture and it's out in a field in the battle, 
they're susceptible to things around them. They can be strong in numbers, but they're also susceptible. They could have limited visibility if there's trees around them. They can't see that far. Weather elements can be a problem. If it gets really cold, we think about the famous example of Napoleon running his army out onto Russia and just freezing in the winter and being killed by the elements and not even advancing enough to get into the battle. It can be sitting ducks just sleeping on the ground and waiting for ambush at night. So then they travel for specific purposes and they'd stay in the castle, they'd stay in the tower where it was safer. And there's a few things about a castle that make it safer, and I think as they talk about this analogy, and some of them are used in various points in scripture to talk about God's strength or to talk about safety, but one, they'd have ramparts up the side of it, which is just a steep hill, so it's hard to get up to it, and you can't just walk right up to the front. Some of them would have a moat that you'd have to swim across so that you'd have to actually get in the water and be really susceptible and and swimming and have to... Uh, compromise where your weapon's at and where you're looking. It's really hard to cross with horses. And then they'd have ways to, to shoot out of it. They'd have those little slits at the top where someone can, an archer can go down on the people advancing on it and they have every advantage that they're protected from the sides, that gravity's working to their favor, that they're shooting down. It's a lot harder to shoot back at them. Even what it's made out of is strong. They have huge stones that aren't easily broken. To overtake it, if the army is sitting in that castle, if it's in the strong tower, it was a heavy feat to overtake it. It was a multi-day affair. You don't just walk up to a castle and overtake it. They would try to do what's called sieging the castle, where they'd block it off so supplies could no longer go in and out, and it would weaken the position of the people inside. And then they just try to get in some way. They'd have to try to scale the wall. They'd have to try to break down the door. They'd have to try to um, get in a position to get inside. But even if they did, it's still, they did everything they could to make it hard to overtake. They even put thought into which way the staircase would go. They made it a spiral staircase, and usually it would go a certain direction. So as you walked up it, your left hand would be going around because it's harder for most people to use a weapon with their left hand. They'd make it hard to come in advance on it. And then even down the sides, they had things like the ability to just pour boiling water off and attack people. It gave every advantage to the people in it that it was hard to overtake. And when we talk about the Christian life, the scripture talks a lot about a context of a war going on around us, even of an eternal war that goes on. That there's this war between God and of Satan, and it goes on throughout eternity until God puts an end to it at some point. And as we look at our own lives, we know we're in the middle of that war where we live. We're susceptible to attack. In some ways, we can feel in the middle of that field, there's arrows flying around us. I know it can feel sensationalistic to describe our lives with war metaphors, But the scripture describes a very real spiritual war that goes on. It says there's angels and demons. There's a spiritual realm that we don't see naturally. There's advances of the kingdom. There's advances of the devil. There's retreats. There's casualties. There's people that get hit with an arrow and taken out. If we had a bend, if we had something we're doing wrong on it, 
I'd say probably is that we downplay that and think of everything as not spiritual. Everything is just what we see in front of us. Because daily, we're dodging arrows that are coming from the evil one. We're dodging the arrows of the temptation of sin, the arrows of sexual temptation and pornography and relationship and lust. We have the arrows flying at us of alcohol and drug temptations. The temptation to steal. We have corporate America that puts arrows at us of trying to get ahead using the wrong means, trying to claw at one another. Arrows of social media trying to look a specific way or use certain products or do things with our free time on a Friday night. And there's also ones that are come at us that are just an attack on Christianity in general. An attack on the gospel. People are hostile towards it. People don't like taking a stand for Christianity as it's written in the Bible. So we've got things coming at us from all sides. And it might be something simple like we're just teased or opposed. We might just be getting pressure to conform and to look a certain way. But anymore, it's not a question, are there arrows being shot at us or not? Are we in the middle of the war? It's clear the war against God is real. The war against us when we're a disciple in Jesus Christ is real. And the question is, is when those things come, where do we go for defense? We can't just assume that it's not going to come and we can go on our merry way. Life will be easy. Temptations are going to come. Opposition is going to come. The war is in front of us. The question is, where do we go? Some of us turn to our money. The next verse in Proverbs 18, right after it talks about this, says a rich man's wealth is his strong city like a high wall in his own imagination. And you notice the similar language. We think of it as a high wall. We think of it as a strong city. We think of it as something that will defend us against attack, against hardship. What does the scripture say? It's only in our own imagination and mind that that will defend us when the time comes. And I like in this verse, I was thinking about it, and it's like we think we have a castle around us with these things, with our money, with our own resources. We think we're safe, the walls go high. We can even think of a castle that has a really strong image on the front that will intimidate our opponents. But I think it looks a little like this. It's more like a bouncy castle. And if we think it's going to defend us because it has Iron Man on the front, it might defend us at a five-year-old birthday party from a water balloon fight. But that's a little what I think our money is like, what I think our own strength is like, that it's only within our own head that it's something that would really defend us. There's certain things that we can get out of, isn't there? That our money can save us from. If we forget to cook dinner and we're hungry, we can reasonably go out to a restaurant. If we crash our car and that's hard, we can probably go figure out a way to buy a new one or get a loan. For house floods, we can probably figure out some way to have insurance or pay money to clean it up. For injured, we have ways to get medical attention. But there becomes a point in our life where those things won't save us from everything going on particularly when the arrows fly of sin and of accusation and of things going on. For those of you that follow 
sports, there was a, a football player on the Chiefs last year named Hunt, and he was a star player in the NFL. He was famous. He was rich. He had everything you could probably want in your life as a young man. And he was pierced by an arrow of sin, and he attacked a woman in a hotel. And before he knew it, no amount of money could save him of what was coming. Once it was released, what happened? He was fired from his job. He was arrested. His life was dramatically different in a hurry because of the arrow of sin in his life. And it's an extreme example. He's not a practicing Christian that I'm aware of. But he was just someone that had hoped that his money and his stature could save him from living a life like that. And we can all fall into some temptation or trap that our billfold can save us. I think we can all think of many Christian leaders even that have held positions of authority or were in the public eye or weren't and were taken out by the arrows. I'm not going to go into examples at the moment to shame them, but it's unfortunate that I think we all have people in our head that have been taken out by the war that's around us. And we can just trust in our own strength as well, can't we? that I can do it on my own, that I can pull up my bootstraps, I'm strong enough to get around the things in my life. I'm strong enough to get past the temptations. I'm strong enough to do what God wants in my life. And I've been there before. I specifically think in my own life, the one I was just deceived on was in the area of alcohol for me. I just thought I was strong enough to get by it. I thought if I really tried, if I really put my mind to it, I can, I can put down the bottle, I can stop drinking so much, and I can have a meaningful, productive life, and I can just get by it on my own. And I keep trying, and I keep trying harder, and I didn't want to ask for help, I didn't want to pray about it, I didn't want to get accountability in my life and talk to Christian leaders. And it just kept getting worse and worse to the point where I was pulled over for a roadside test, and... I, I didn't get arrested that night, but I wasn't really sure why. I was so close on the edge, so close to losing things. I just knew God started to put it on me that you're just not strong enough to get over that on your own. And over time, I had to start learning how to trust him in that. And if there's sins in our life, be it alcohol or drugs or sexual temptation or money, there's things that our own strength won't save us for. We're each like an unarmed man in the middle of a battlefield. Think of other things we can trust in. This verse just said money, but we can also trust in people. We have a friend we know that seemed like at one point she turned to God and had a relationship and has gone far from him in her own life and had a really hard spell, even in the past month, have had things that have happened physically and, and had some addiction issues, it seems like. And, and we saw her just this week on the street, just going down the street, knocking on doors, trying to find someone to help her. She was trusting in people. She was trusting in whatever she could to get out of her situation. And she wouldn't even come... We've helped her with some things before, but she wouldn't come talk to us because she was at a point where she was far from God and she didn't want to have a conversation about things in her life that were going on. I think of Psalm 146.3 says, Do not trust in princes, in mortal man, in whom there is no salvation. Because when we truly need help, 
when we truly need strength, people will fail us, won't they? I think of an old blues song. Eric Clapton sang it is where I knew it from, but it's, I think it's from the 20s. And it just talked about a millionaire who came down on his luck that nobody would know him when he's down and out. And it says, in the song he says, Then I began to fall so low when he was out of his money. I lost all my friends. I didn't have nowhere to go. He was just at the end of his rope without his money, without the things. Nobody would be there to help him. And later in the song he said, When you finally get back on your feet again, suddenly everyone wants to be your long-lost friend. And the problem is that when we're in the middle of really needing help, people will fail us. There's only one place to go for help. And Proverbs 18 talks about it. When we need help, when we need safety, when we need shelter, there's one place to go. That the Lord is a strong tower of defense. Another translation renders that verse as a strong fortress. And when troubles face us, when things go on, the scripture is describing a strong defense around us that can keep the troubles out. God will offer us protection when we're at the end of our rope, when we're facing things we can't overcome on our own, when the enemy is attacking that's stronger than us and has such a great attack, we can't oppose it. And it says the godly will run to him and they are safe even when people fail us, even when our own strength can't get through us. And the other implication is that the godly know how to run to God, how to run to that strong fortress. And I've just been asking myself this week, when those things strike, do we know how to ask for help? Do we know how to run to Jesus Christ to free us from our sin? And I was thinking of some times in my own life this week when I've really faced things where I needed God to be a strong tower. If you stop and think about it, there's things we face that we just can't stand up on on our own. I remember a time when there was a brother who was leaving the church and just fine, people come and go, but on the way out, he had some things to say about me that weren't great. He wasn't that happy with me. Which is, a, which is fine, but he talked about another pastor. He talked to another pastor in the church and kind of unloaded a whole bunch of things. And I asked for some time to try to sit down and try to reconcile and walk through things, and he just kept refusing and actually never wanted to. But the main reason he said he was leaving was a specific offense against me and something that I didn't feel like I did. I have faults and I do things wrong. I'll, but in this case, I didn't. I didn't quite understand what the accusations were, but. I was just praying that God would defend me in the situation of things that weren't true. And God used some other pastors. He used the situation just to bring protection around me and defense when I felt like I was just in the midst of the storm. Like there was arrows coming and I didn't know what to do with it. And God used that time to just bring his strength and shelter around me. I can think of another time at work where people knew I was a Christian and... I think I, I made some enemies just because of that. Nothing I was trying to go out and do, but I remember this time coming where there was two or three of them that seemed to be just spreading stories about me a little bit. 
and they'd start planting seeds with with management that I wasn't doing a really good job, that I was I was leaving early, or I was um, just talking down to people, or just a lot of things that weren't adding up to what I was doing, and so. These stories were kind of going on in the background and I didn't know about it. And then it came that kind of out of nowhere I got this formal write-up and was in a whole bunch of trouble. And I didn't totally know where it was coming from. I was really frustrated and confused because it felt like what was happening didn't match up quite with reality. And, you know, in that time I just prayed, God, would you, would you help me out of this? Because I felt just snared and trapped in the middle of it. And one thing led to another, and I, I just tried to work with management and say, take criticism and really work on it and work constructively on things they were talking about. But I also prayed that God would just frustrate their plans and things that would come out. And about two weeks later, two different people said something very negative about me, but their stories completely didn't line up at all. And so they kind of just got trapped in the middle of it. And management finally figured out, like, well, there's this story and this story, and that's two different events, and they don't line up, and it turned back around on them. And so over a few weeks, God just kind of freed me from that and did a work that I felt like I was released from that. And even a few months later, I got a really good performance review at work. But it just felt like... I was in the middle of this battle going on and I just needed God to come and be that defense where I couldn't hold up under it. We might have things we just can't comprehend in our life. We can't handle in our own strength. It's just enough to crush us. I think of times when we're out of money and we're at the end of our rope. I think of times when we're down physically. I think of having kids in the hospital sick. I think of people losing kids or losing spouses have been going through that and those things have the potential to just crush us it's beyond what we can bear there's some things i can reasonably handle in my strength and there's some that can't i can and it's in those moments we want to be going to god all the time but it's really in those moments where we need god we need to know where that strong fortress of strength is And I can relate with Eric Clapton a little bit and that blues song he sang because sometimes it's in those moments when we're really down. There's no one else that'll help us. We feel at the end of our contacts and our resource and our phone list and everyone, you can go through your phone, but we just need God in our life. And I can relate a little bit with David in Psalm 124. He says, if, I had not, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when enemies attacked us, they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has given us Oh, has not given us as prey with our teeth. We have escaped like the bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I think I put it off the page there. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but stands forever. 
And I think in some of those moments, if the Lord had not been on my side, if I didn't know where to go for a strong tower, I would have been crushed many times over in my life. I'm sure you would have too. And we're going to have more things that face us that have the potential to crush us. And when David wrote about this, I think he knew what it meant to be crushed, what it meant to need to hide. There's some psalms, like I think Psalm 142, it's believed David wrote it in a cave hiding out from people that wanted to attack him. He knew what it was like to have those things going on. He, he knew what it was like to have the floodwaters threaten to sweep him away. And the crushing sin of this world is going to sweep us away if we don't know where to go. If we're just living for ourselves, if we're living in our strength, we will get immersed by the pleasures of life. We will get taken out by accusations. We will get taken out by someone not liking the message of Jesus Christ as we go to church or as we speak of it, and we'll get taken out. But when we trust in the Lord, we are not moved. We are defended like that strong tower. So consider this, when trouble hits, where do you go? When there are attacks against us, do you know how to get on your knees and ask for God's help? Do you know how to admit that you don't have the strength to defeat the enemy on your own? Do we trust in God to come through for us? Do we know how to go to that strong tower? There's one more thing, just image of God I want to talk about that I think is good. We've talked about God as that strong tower, as our defense, as one that keeps us from getting crushed. And there's another facet of God in the Bible I want to talk about that's just a different facet of his strength. The Lord is referred to as a warrior, as one that goes out in strength. And I think it does highlight a different facet here. God doesn't just defend like the tower and keep the arrows from coming in, but God's going to do something. God has a plan. God has a mission and something he's going to engage in. Isaiah 42. The Lord will march forth like a mighty hero. He will come out like a warrior full of fury. He will shout his battle cry and crush all his enemies. And many times the Bible speaks of God going out and being engaged and doing something. You know, one of the things it would talk about was him executing judgment for sin. And you would see him go forth in strength and take action quickly. Some of the things I talk about there are the flood. In Genesis 6, it says, The Lord observed the extent of the wickedness on the earth and saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe the human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry on the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. A little discouraging verse, but God saw something that needed his action because the whole world had become wicked and turned from him. And he acted on it. And he acted in strength and conviction. Only Noah and his sons found favor and God wiped out the earth. And then in Genesis 19, put Sodom and Gomorrah. God saw the wickedness in that city. And he rained down fireballs on it. 
and just took out that city and totally destroyed it and wiped it out because they were far from him. And I mention that just because when God saw something that required his action, he executed judgment and great power. He shifted from just being a defense in a tower to going out as a warrior. I think of another thing God does in his strength is God establishes the godly. He actively promoted and blessed and established people. A few examples from scripture, one I thought of was David. In Psalm 89, it says, I have found my servant David. I have anointed him with my holy oil. I will steady him with my hand and my powerful arm. I will make him strong. And God describes his arm as strong and powerful and says that with it he will establish and make David powerful. He established him. He made him strong. He gave him a kingdom. Think of Solomon asking God for wisdom. And God gave him more than just wisdom. He gave him that and he said, I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you for all of your days. He gave him a kingdom where there was a covenant God made with Abraham to establish and bless him. It says, The Lord said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those that bless you and curse those who you treat with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And God blessed him. And God established a kingdom, even a nation. And the nation of Israel came out from his lineage, from Jacob. And by his hand, he would establish that nation. And he would bless. In fact, in Daniel 2.21, God speaks just generically of kings, not of one person. He says, he changes times and season. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. So the scripture tells us that God even establishes rulers and kingdoms. Those that rise and fall, it's at the hand of God and his strong hand. Another one I think of is just Jesus defeating the grave. The bleakest of circumstances. The man that had come, God in the flesh, that was supposed to bring the victory that they were expecting to bring the nation of Israel and and, um, bring it to glory and bring it to ruling over the earth, died on the cross and was bloodied and beaten and looked lost. We're going to talk about this in April. So we get to Easter, but then he rises again from the grave in victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 55, it says, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? His victory was snatched by Jesus from the grave as he ascended again to earth and eventually to heaven. God is a warrior. He goes out. He's accomplishing something. Revelation talks about him returning again as on a horse, coming from heaven again one day. That warrior will come back. And he has something he's accomplishing. It says he'll exact judgment for those that have turned from him. And he'll draw all those that 
are his to himself and he'll put an end to the world and he'll establish a whole other kingdom like a warrior coming back and leading into a new kingdom of strength. So God is that warrior. God is that strong tower. There's one last thing to talk about is that God extends that strength to us. Isaiah 42, it says, But the Lord stands beside me as a great warrior. Before him my persecutors will stumble. They cannot defeat me. They will fail and be thoroughly humiliated. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. So our enemies cannot defeat us. What? When we trust in God. When he's standing beside us. When he's that strong tower. When he's that warrior. The Lord will go forth and bring home his victory. Now realistically, we're not going forth in battle in swords and shields. If there's some people in this room that was in the military, maybe that's a little more close to their life. But for a lot of us, we just need the strength of God to live a life that honors Him, to live out the Christian life. And we're in a culture that's gone really far the other way from God. It has a mantra that we should live for ourselves. We talked about the arrows coming in from the enemy wanting to take us out, that we need God to be that strong tower that we need to be defended from the attack. But we're also called to go out with the warrior and take ground for the gospel. And we need God to live in righteousness. We need strength to do his will. It's encouraging to think of all those things God has accomplished. When we talk about how he established kingdoms. When we think of him smashing the Egyptian army with the Red Sea coming at them to allow the people of Israel to return back to their homeland. We think of God as that great warrior and his strength. But Isaiah 42 here, it goes beyond just describing that God is that great warrior or that is his likeness. But we're told, the Lord stands beside me as a great warrior. And that's encouraging just to think about God will stand beside us and give us strength for that battle. Think of first, or John 5.5 5 says, And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. How can we be winning in this battle against the world? Trusting in Jesus Christ, putting our faith in Jesus Christ, trusting him to defend us. In Deuteronomy 31, 6 through 8, it says, Be strong and bold, have no fear or dread of them, because it is the Lord your God who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not, be, uh, do not fear or be dismayed. And God will give us strength to carry out his will, to do really hard things for God. The mission in front of us isn't an easy one. It isn't a small one. God is trying to bring the whole world to himself. And we need God's strength to carry it out. Whether it's just it's going out on a mission trip like our teen group did to Salt Lake City and trying to talk to people for the gospel. God gives them strength to carry that out. Or it might just be having courage this week in our office or our classroom just to obey God and stand up for what it means to be 
a Christian, to go against the tide and live in a way God wants us to. It's encouraging to think of this framework of God being a warrior, even because I think he's really a warrior that goes out in front of his troops. He leads the way. He takes the first barrage of bullets for us. He leads in strength. He goes before us in the battle. And so God will give us the strength to do really hard things for him. Again, it might be defending truth or speaking of marriage a certain way or speaking of how we should live to live righteously. It might be throwing out something in our life that's causing us to sin or asking for help. God will give us the strength for the challenges in front of us. I'm going to close with Psalm 20. My kids have a song they like to play in the car that has this verse, and so it's been stuck in my head. I think about it this week, but it's really good. I think it's a good verse when I think about this idea of who we trust in. In Psalm 20, it says, Some nations boast of their chariots and horses, but we boast in the name of the Lord our God. Those nations will fall down and collapse, but we will rise up and stand firm. Give victory to our King, O Lord. Answer our cry for help. And there are many that do boast in their chariots and horses. It looks a little different in 2019. It might be their money or their looks or their intellect or their heritage. But I like them. What this verse is saying, let us be those that don't boast in those things. Let us boast in only one thing, that we know God. And we sang about it this morning, didn't we? I will not boast in gifts, nor power, nor wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ. We will boast that we can rest in him as a strong tower to defend us, and that he will lead us into battle like a mighty warrior, that he will give us strength. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you that you are strong. God, we thank you that you are not defeated. God, that you're a strong tower. God, we pray that you would defend us from any attack, from anyone trying to take us out. God, we pray that you'd help us ask you for help to go into the battle. We thank you that you are like a mighty warrior. God, that you are exacting a plan to draw the whole world to yourself and to build a new kingdom. God, we pray you'd help us be a part of that. Help us look to you for strength. Help us be a part of what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.